What's up, everybody? My name is Christian Baudenza Di Tacchio. And this is Giuliano Caleri. And this is Tifosi Football Radio's Euro 2020 coverage. The upcoming final between Linglitera, England, and our beloved Azzurri. We've done it. We're in the final. Screw all the haters and all the doubters out there. We have exceeded expectations, and we will jump into that. But first and foremost, everybody, how are you feeling, Giuliano? Ecstatic. I know this is... It's settled in. We're a few days, you know, past, but my goodness, it feels good. It feels it fantastic. Feels great. It feels absolutely fantastic. How do you feel? Oh, I'm over the moon. I'm over the moon. We have now exceeded expectations and are realistically everything here is gravy from here on in. Yep. Everything from here on in is gravy. So let's jump right in, guys. So what we're going to do today is we're going to recap the two semifinals for you. And then, of course, we're going to preview the big one, the big game, and give our final predictions for it, which we cannot wait for. Italia, Inglaterra takes place at Wembley Stadium, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday, July the 11th. So book that in your calendars if you haven't yet. Get together with your friends and family and enjoy what is going to be an epic clash of two titans. But is it two titans? I believe one's only getting their you know, second final in, in history. Yeah, that's true. But we're, we'll get into it a okay. little bit later. We'll get into that a little bit later. But let's start first and foremost with that, cr- that cracker of a game. Italy and Spain. Uh, a lot of Italians, a lot of fan, football fans out there, uh, casual watchers more so, if you will. I wouldn't call them football fans. Criticizing the way Italy came out in this game, where this is not the Italy. This is not the Italy of the tournament. Even the commentators are saying, oh, it's just a matter of when Spain's going to score. But you know how those commentators are. Very biased. Very biased. You know what the best part about it was? The best part about it was it... Uh, was they were talking about, oh, it's just a matter of time when Spain's going to score, and two minutes later, Chiesa scores the goal. So, But before we get into that, let's talk about this game. Let's talk about Italy's approach. Giuliano, you called it. Italy's going to come out. They're going to sit back in this game. They're going to play a totally different style, counterattack, give Spain the ball. That's exactly what they did. So tell me how you felt about this approach. Tell me how you felt about their performance in this game. Yeah, I thought Italy was excellent uh, for a lot of people, myself included. Yes, Spain dominated the game statistics-wise. But Italy looked comfortable, I would say, for the majority of the game. Um, they looked excellent, solid defensively. Spain, yes, if arguably if they finished their chances and were a little bit more clinical. Uh, Oyarzabal, specifically, he missed, I think, one really big chance, a pass from Pedri. He could have... Uh, Taken on his right, slot in with his left. He missed a few sitters. Uh, but that's football. Spain didn't capitalize on their moments. We knew this was going to be Spain's weakness. It was a matter of Italy taking their chances, getting them behind, and and that's exactly what they did. Chiesa being the guy in that situation. Now, Chiro, a lot of people saying he didn't have a good game. I beg to differ. Yes, 
he didn't have a, a great game. I'd say he was slightly above average because the second he came off, Italy's attack was done. Uh, he opened up a lot of channels, allowed Chiesa the space uh, to run with the ball because he acted like a decoy and kept both center backs and Eric Garcia and Almerica Laporte busy. So Chiro did a, a really good job. Even though he didn't score, he was key to our offense working. Um, but overall, Italy, it was the Warriors' performance. The midfield battled hard. They were never going to outpossess Spain. Spain, that's what they love to do. That's what they know doing. Possession on the ball. But they just didn't have the clinical finishing to finish off Italy. And Italy, their luck, took it into overtime, penalty shots, and that's where, that's where it was won. I thought it was a fantastic performance by Azzurri and uh, just echo everything you said. I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of this group and what they did. And it's like you said in the last podcast, Spain in this whole tournament have struggled against every team that has sat back on them. And that's what Italy did. And they struggled. They couldn't capitalize on their finishing. It's been like that all tournament. And uh, credit Luis Enrique on the way he adjusted his squad because it was, I think it was a great move, great approach for Spain on how they approach this game because they asked him, why did you play with the false nine? Why, why is Morata not starting? Well, because I saw the way Italy took out Lukaku, took Lukaku out of the Belgium Italy game. So credit to Luis Enrique for seeing that and uh, running, with, uh, running with a false nine. It, it almost worked. Um, but uh, it didn't at the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, got to credit Giorgio Chiellini, Leonardo Bonucci, working their tail off in this game. Uh, Di Lorenzo, fantastic performance from him. Emerson stepping in quite comfortably, yes. having some, having some, a couple of chances on the ball. Nicolo Barella didn't really impress me this game. He was kind of a, he was a bit of an issue there. Verratti did what he had to do. I don't think he did what he wanted to do. And what can you say about Jorginho? Jorginho's the man. Lillandor, yeah. Italy win. Yeah, the Euros. But yeah, this match, it was a it was a chess match. And, it was. Uh, you know, another player we knew that was going to get taken out. Lorenzo Insigne was invisible this game. Yeah. Uh, Tifosi Football Radio said it. He's not going to be effective in this game. It just doesn't fit his style, counterattacking style. So, uh, you know, Mancini trying to fit him in, taking off yep. Chudo, moved him into the false nine, still ineffective, but. Insigne, I think, against England will be a lot more effective. We'll preview it, of course. Yeah, of course. But the the tactics were bang on. Like I said, you have to ride your luck a little bit in these sort yep. of tactics. But Italy, for the most part, was in control. Like I said, when Chido was off, I was I, the attacks stopped for Italy. They weren't as effective. But the defense never really gave much. They didn't give much. Morata just took a moment of brilliance to, for him to do a 1-2, I yeah. think, with... Uh, who was the one-two with? Olmo, I think. Danny Olmo. Danny Olmo, I think. So it was that moment of brilliance. That's the only moment of brilliance that broke down this Italian defense. And besides that, it was a, almost a perfect performance by Italy. I just want to say, too, this is tournament football. Spain, one win, five draws in this tournament. Uh, and that's the way it goes. They've only beaten one team in 90 minutes. No, Slovakia. This was a great match. It was. Probably the best match of the tournament. Hands down. Most quality. I think the the two teams with the most quality in the tournament, if you ask me, in terms of technical ability, and I just can't wait to see what the final brings. Yeah, uh, I, I echo that. Uh, a lot of a, a few people questioning uh, Mancini's tactics 
from the start of the game all the way up until the penalty shootout. Uh, a few, I'm sure a few people heard from a couple of people uh, why Jorginho wasn't the first kicker uh, in the shootout. Well, here's why. Jorginho is your, probably your most confident and capable penalty taker. So you get the least confident guys out of the way early on. So Melo Cotelli, um, Andrea Bellotti, Leonardo Bonucci's kind of in the middle, Bernardeschi's Bernardeschi, and then Jorginho. So for you people who criticize why Jorginho was last and not first, I would say actually watch a football game, stop playing FIFA and basing your judgments off players off FIFA ratings, and uh, just watch football and how it works. Uh, that's what Mancini did. Mancini, I think, picked his five kickers brilliantly. It worked out perfectly. Uh, another set to the, a lot of criticism on why Alvaro Morata is shooting for Spain. Well, the guy realistically tied up the game. Should be full of confidence. Maybe wanted to take the penalty. Maybe he didn't want to take the penalty. He definitely wanted to take it. You think so? And even, you know, he was the hero in Croatia. He redeemed himself from the group stages. Confidence was riding high. I mean, it wasn't a terrible penalty. At the end of the day, uh, Donnarumma still had to make the save. Make the save, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a terrible penalty. If if Donnarumma dives the other way and Morata scores, no one's saying it's a bad penalty. Yeah. But the fact is Donnarumma saved it. Morata, I thought he had a terrific uh, game. He made the difference when he came on for Spain, and that's what they needed was his directness. Danny Almo, for as good as he was for the energy he showed, his finishing is just terrible yeah nobody's talking about Danny Omo missing yeah and his penalty miss on top of it exactly right so listen the big boys on penalty shootout usually shoot last for a reason yeah you always keep your best shooters for for last yeah because they have the the best mentality to step up to the plate when the pressure's at highest because yeah the pressure rises as you go further into the penalty shootout so absolutely so big win for the Italians We'll be there on Sunday. So for Giuliano and my lifetime, we're very fortunate. This will be combined Euro and World Cup final appearances. This will be the fifth time in our lifetime that we get to see our Zuri in the finals. I mean, that's very that's a very rare thing to say. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of haters out there talking about how Italy's garbage, how Italy's been garbage, and guess what? Their style is terrible. Yeah. Giuliano and I have been on this earth for almost... 33 years and then we've seen Italy and we will be seeing Italy in their fifth final in our lifetime so it's pretty good I think that's pretty good there's another team up there with five final appearances and that's Germany, uh, Germany. but because they're German they're you know the yeah. way they play football everyone loves them but exactly and, so, the, and the French too they've been pretty respectable in, in regards to making exactly. finals so I think we're pretty good I think Italy's pretty good as well I think we're okay so that's the Italians. Credit to Spain. Fantastic performance. This team is going to be dangerous and a team to look out for in Qatar 2022. Luis Enrique has to be happy with how this tournament came to be. And uh, he's going to be, he's basically building this team to win the World Cup in 2022. So, yeah. Listen, this Spain team is excellent. They have all the pieces. Yeah. They are a striker away from being a championship team. Yeah. Pedri was keeping guys like Thiago Alcantara on the bench. That's crazy. 18-year-old okay. Pedri. Let's, exactly. Let's think about that for a second. Pedri, and he's going to the Olympics now yep. to represent Spain. 
easily will be the player of the tournament. 18 years old, and this guy plays like he's yeah. uh, he a 10-year veteran. Game. In the Italy game, he completed 65 of 67 pass attempts. Amazing. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. So, credit to Spain. Uh, the Italians are Zuri. All the best. Grappalupo into the next round, into the final. We will dis- dissect that in a little bit. But first, let's get this out of the way. England, Denmark. England winning 2-1. to one. Uh, courtesy of a Chiaro goal and a controversial penalty. But I will say they deserve to win this game uh, compared to the Danes. So England, their first final since 1966. It's been a long time. They've never been in a Euro final before. So they're in very unfamiliar territory. Does that make them minnows? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> if you ask everybody in the world, uh, England is by far the the uh, uh, a football powerhouse for some reason. But let's talk about this game. So Damsgaard strikes first off of set piece, one nothing Denmark, and then so England for the first time this whole tournament. Not only did they just concede a goal, but they have to actually chase. Yes, after after Pickford broke Gordon Banks's record for yeah. You know, longest minutes of conceding, he concedes. The uh, Damsgaard free kick, beautiful hit free kick. Yeah. And step got the bend over the wall. Didn't really go in the corner, just kind of yeah. right of center, like the goalie's right of center. Um, I know you're a goalie. What did you think of Pickford's performance on the free kick? Uh, positioning was a problem. Yeah. Positioning was definitely a problem. Shouldn't be beaten there. Um. And I know a lot of people say, oh, it's because, you know, he's not the biggest goalkeeper in the world. Well, he knows he's not the biggest goalkeeper in the world. So his positioning should reflect that. He was way too, way, he was almost hugging his far post and, or sorry, his, uh, his near, his near post. And, uh, you know, he made the pay the price. I think Damsgaard picked it out beautifully. And uh, I think if it's any other goalkeeper, it's, it's stopped or it's tipped over the bar. So, that's Dem- my opinion of it. Did Denmark surprise you the way they performed in this game? No, they for didn't. For better or for worse? They didn't. I, I, We knew England was going to win this game, but I wanted Denmark to make them sweat, and Denmark did make them sweat. So, this is the first time that England has sweat through this whole tournament. And, I mean, I don't think England even sweated with the Germans, to be honest with you. No, Germany... We'll get so, into that, but yeah, but no team has really brought the game to England yet. Yeah, no so, team has pressed them. Yeah, so Denmark hitting them on the counterattack. We knew Denmark was going to make that approach. Casper Schmeichel had a fantastic game. Uh, amazing, as a, amazing as, game. As a goalkeeper, I really feel for him. I'm not a fan of the follow through after a penalty shot in live play. I mean, I think that's a debate for another another time. But I think it should be treated like hockey, where the you know, if the pen, you get a penalty shot, whether you score or miss, the play is dead after that. So um, credit to Casper Schmeichel for that amazing save. Outstanding game. And uh, credit to the Danes on the performance they had. I mean, they've had a really rocky start, obviously, with what's happened, uh, losing their, their, their main guy. And then uh, having their backs up against the wall, needing a result against Russia. And uh, doing it and then 
getting all the way through to the semifinal. So everything to be proud of. Uh, England, on the other hand, they are where they are supposed to be, should be in the final. Given their what their path was, given where they're playing, they are where they should be. So England are meeting expectations here, unlike the Azuri that are exceeding expectations here. So that, we'll, we'll talk about that difference in a very little bit. But uh, all in all, what did you think of Denmark's performance in this game? They did what I thought they would do. I didn't think they had the quality to go toe-to-toe for it. with England. It was going to have to be down to a wonder goal, taking their chances on set pieces. And that is how they took the lead. Listen, at the end of the day, <clears throat> no offense to Denmark, but the the quality is just lacking. There's there's pieces missing in the midfield, and the biggest piece is Christian Eriksen. Mm-hmm. You know, they lost their biggest player in the opening game, and went through the group stages, went through the knockout stages, all the way to the semifinals, built huge momentum, became the the fan favorites for the tournament. The way they exited the tournament is going to leave a lot of, uh, you know, sour taste in a lot of people's mouths because you don't want, you don't want to see any team leave a tournament like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and this, what this reminds me of is Buffon back when uh, Juve, I think it was against Real Madrid, Michael Oliver was the ref, and there was a bogus penalty called against Juve. And he said, I think in the post-match uh, interview, you know, he called Mike Oliver trash and all this, whatever. Uh, but he also said, the ref has to be able to read the emotion of the game and realize where he is in that moment. You can't call every game the same. I know for the people that love the rule book, a rule, the rules are the rules, they'll say. But in a semifinal, you have to take into consideration what's on the line here this is a team Denmark for me they might as well have been knocked out on the group stage the way they got the way the way they got knocked out in the semifinal because mm-hmm. it it did such a disservice to everything they accomplished in this tournament and it was just a big slap in the face you know Raheem Sterling it was a dive and a half uh contact is allowed in the box I don't care what people say it's it's football it's not figure skating you're allowed to make contact in the box first and foremost so even in Sterling's post-match interview he was he was questioning you know was the was the penalty a bit soft he goes did you was contact man on you he goes yes I was touched he was touched we're talking about people being touched in the box yeah and penalties being given so I understand why it wasn't overturned by VAR because once VAR sees any slight contact they will never reverse it based off the decision of the ref they'll always keep it keep it that way I, I get the protocols but the, this tournament has been phenomenal up until this moment. And to give a team a shot into the final based off of, for me, a, a, a big big dive, which for the Italians it'd be called cheating. For when, when it involves a British player, it's, he was clever. He's using the dark arts. You know, you have to fall to win the penalties. For them, it's if for, when an English player does it's it, up for the English the media calls. says, yeah, it's, the English media twists it as a good thing. But when Chiro goes down and he gets knocked in the leg, you know, he's a cheat and this and that. Yeah. You know, we heard all the controversy about Chiro oh, Mobile. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of making a, a, a big deal about this, the hypocrisy coming from the English media. But, yeah, I just felt the penalty call in Denmark was harsh. Danny Machiali, the, the Dutch ref, should have... Shouldn't have called that. He should have let it go, let VAR make the decision. Mm-hmm. If they felt there was a clear and obvious error by the ref not calling it, then you do the penalty. 
Uh, but to have a finalist decided on that is, for me, a farce. If they go into penalties, Denmark could be there. I don't care if England played better. They deserved it technically. You took away Denmark's chances, their run. You you pulled the rug right from under their feet. It wasn't it wasn't fair uh, for them. So that's my say on that. I think the ref totally, he became the star of the show and not the players. Mm-hmm. And then to bring it to the penalty shot itself, I've, I've been saying this since our early days, I hate that penalties are not their own separate play. Mm-hmm. Like it's tough enough for a goalie to save the ball. I think it's 77% chance of, of the shot going in. What more does a guy like Kasper Schmeichel have to do? Yeah, He saves the ball, parries it, bounces right to the foot of Harry Kane for, for a simple tap. And that, that stuff drives me nuts, which I'll never understand about penalty shots. Penalty shot should be its own separate play. You take the shot, it goes in, restart, you miss, restart the play, and that's it. But that's my two cents on that. What did you think about the controversy, England? And I'm going to talk a little bit about England after all that Christian says divulge his thoughts too. You took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, pulling the rug out of, Den- off, out of Denmark's feet and... It's not the way to earn your birth into the final. It really isn't. And uh, lo and behold, another English penalty miss. Luckily, they was able to finish the follow-through, right? So, yeah, I mean, Juliano and I listen to a lot of what the media has to say post-game, obviously. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's very hypocritical where... Because Italy was getting hammered. There was big time. Only nine minutes were played out of the last twenty or something like that in the Italy game. Like Italy, Italy was getting yeah. massacred by the media. Yeah. After their Spain match. Yeah. Well, after their Belgium match too. And the Belgium match. And but if England were to do it, it's not a problem. Right? It's not a problem. Dark arts, clever, like you said. So yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. It is what it is. What goes around comes around though. So who knows what's going to happen Sunday? <laughs> well, we're going to preview it for you right now. So <laughs> may the best cheater win, eh? <laughs> yeah, seriously, that's what the, the game of t- the the tale of two cheats it feels like. So uh but before we leave, mm-hmm. I just I want to say the good things about England. Yeah, go for it. Like it's not to say I I've had England for me as one of the favorites since the beginning. Yeah, they and rightly so. They're yeah. built to win. Yeah, they're built to win. Uh I wouldn't say a great manager before this tournament, but a manager that's proven himself to be great. Zern my respect. Yes, he uh, must have the biggest earplugs in the world because he doesn't listen to anybody and he sticks to his That's we got to credit his him beliefs, for. yes. And um, the defense has been fantastic. Kyle Walker has been phenomenal. Harry Maguire in this game, off the set pieces. My goodness, he looks more dangerous than anybody in this tournament yeah. off a set piece. I think yeah. he wins almost every other header. In the box, Luke Shaw, again, running the wing in this game, running against Stargard Larson into the ground, and Martin Brathwaite, too, he had under lockdown. I mean, this English defense is just pulling this team forward. Uh, And that's just defense. And, of course, we know of the talent up top for England. Raheem Sterling and Kane have been dynamite. Saka has been brought in more recently into the starting lineup, and he's an all-rounder, and he's been performing good. So... Italy draws a, I mean, England draws a lot of parallels to Italy. Great depth off the bench. Everyone's pulling their, you know, pulling their weight in this team. It's not really one player carrying the team. I, although Sterling and Kane have been carrying them in regards to the goals, but it's really been 
great team performances from the goalie from Pickford, even though he, you know, it was still an amazing free kick the way it was taken. Yes, he should have got to it, I believe, as well. But he's been outstanding. The defense has been outstanding. Declan Rice, who either love him or you hate him, he's been uh, a solid presence in front of the defense, you know, driving driving through the midfield, picking out passes as well. He's been excellent. Calvin Phillips, the New Yorkshire Pirlo. Everybody in this English team is uh, is pulling their weight. And it truly is a final of the two best teams. Although I, I went on that speech about Denmark, yes. I'm just more so upset about the way their story ends. It, feel, it feels like they didn't get a fair shot to end it. But England and Italy, definitely 110%, are the two best teams in the final. Uh, and there's no doubt about that. Yeah, and you usually don't have that in a tournament. No, you don't. Usually, we still got to see how the final is going to play out. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling it's going to be a, a great game. I don't think this is going to be one of those one-sided finals. No. Where one team doesn't deserve to get in and the final was played beforehand, like Italy-Spain. Yeah. Yes, that potentially could have been a final. We'll see how England goes or Italy-Belgium. But we'll see, of course, how it goes when we preview it. But just just uh, excellent. I mean, England did a lot of good things. I think they had 85% possession or passing completion in this game. It's very unlike them. So this English team has grown so much from what they were in the past to now. Uh, they're comfortable on the ball anymore. It's no longer route one, you know, getting balls into the spaces and running or being undisciplined. This is a disciplined team that knows now you have to keep the ball to win a game, uh, which is a very important part to modern-day football. And they've they've mastered it with this new young generation, and it's just been so impressive. I haven't I've never seen England towards the end of a game keep possession of a ball the way they did. No, never. usually it's run down the wing, bring it to the corner, try and defend. It gets knocked out, and then you rinse and repeat over and over again. Yeah, but they were passing the ball between Kane uh, to to Phil Foden because that's what he does at Man City uh, to Declan Rice. The ball just kept rotating around the the players and. Excellent performance by England in this game. Yeah. Excellent performance. Absolutely. I think the one thing I want to say about England here in this game, and this is where my respect grows admirably for Gareth Southgate as a manager, is that uh, it's like Giuliano said, all tournament, this guy's been criticized for the way he's lined up. The two holding midfields, like the English media just ripping them apart. Two holding midfields. Why are you doing that? And then why aren't you playing an attacking style of football? Well, guess what? England is in their first final since 1966. Okay? Whatever Gareth Southgate's doing is working. They are a defense-first team. They play out from the back. We've never seen this before. And everybody in the English media is calling for the attacking style, the old style England. Well, guess what? What has that style ever won you guys? Nothing. It's never won you a thing. Maybe a World Cup where you were given a goal because the Queen said it was a goal. Big freaking deal. You are actually playing a very attractive style of football, and you have a manager that actually knows tactically what he's doing. He has set his team up for success. But talking about England here, I will, I've said this before and I'll say it again. They are where they should be. The final four in the final is at Wembley Stadium. Out of all the teams that were left... When we had the semifinalists, England's the only team that is built to win now. 
And yes, I'm saying that Italy is rebuilding towards winning the World Cup. The goal was the semifinals. We've now exceeded expectations. Going up against a team that's expected to win. So rightly so, we are underdogs in this game. Right? So that being said, let's just let's walk into this game. Okay, let's walk into the preview. But I, I would just like to say, though, England, it seems like they're building something for the future. This is the way they want to go play from here on out. The new English style. This is the new English style. Yeah. Italy, on the other hand, to be honest, I'm not 100% sold on yet. I feel like once Mancini leaves, do we continue? Because that's that that's all depends on who comes in yeah, after Mancini. That's a whole other but discussion. We don't have to worry about that till 2026. So, but to me, it looks like England's building a project for the future. They want their entire nation to play like this. Italy, it's more so. Thing, the same thing can be said for when Southgate goes. I don't know about the manager that. comes. In I don't and know goes, about oh, that. Oh, we're gonna go back to the old stuff. You, it all depends on the manager. It really does. Like, look at look at Anto- let's, let's. It matters more about the manager in Italy, I'd say, than in England. England, the footballing philosophy has changed in that entire country. Italy, our football philosophy changes with the managers. England, I would say, not so much. I, I've seen firsthand with the way the Premier League, the uh, youth teams. You go all the way down to League One, League Two. Teams are playing like this, the way England are playing. Ball possession, pressing. They're doing these things that England's doing. It looks like everyone's pulling in the same direction. Italy, I don't know if that's 100% true. But I agree. We are, we're on the verge of something really great with this Italy team. We are. It's just a matter of... Like I said, this this will be a discussion for when Mancini decides to leave Italy. Mm-hmm. But it's does this continue once Mancini's gone? We'll see. We'll I, see. I just feel like the root, not everyone's pulling the same direction in Italy. Not everyone's on the same page, but we'll see. For the preview, though, what do we think is going to happen? Italy, England, the Wembley biggest, Stadium. one of the biggest finals, once in a lifetime in opportunity. Oh, once, yeah. This finals never happening again. Never happening at again. the rate England makes finals. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 but, never uh, happening again. So to all our English friends out there, let's enjoy this moment because we're never, we really will never see this again. Not in our lifetime. No way. Yeah, for both for both nations. Listen, Italy's been on a ten year hiatus. They're finally back. Yeah, England's been on a fifty five year hiatus, and they're finally back. So this is going to be momentous for. Whoever wins it. Yeah. This is going to be massive. A massive platform, especially going into the World Cup too. So Yeah, exactly. The Christian, World Cup. what do you think is going to happen? I want you to say, what is Mancini thinking? He watched England-Denmark for sure. Oh, the whole team at Coverciano watches. Gareth Southgate watched Italy-Spain. What do you 100%. think the managers, what do you think they pick up from those matches? Where are the weaknesses in both sides? How does this game play out? I think I, this is what I see. I see the Mancini style prevailing in this game. And by prevailing, I mean the Italy we saw against Turkey, the Italy we saw against Switzerland. That's the Italy we're going to see in this final. Because I'll tell you what, Mancini doesn't give the ball just to anybody. Mancini will give the ball to a team where he thinks he can hit them on the counter. And Spain was that team. Spain was that team. Hands down. I think Italy controls this game. 
I think England soaks it in. And realistically, where I see Italy thriving is in that midfield. I think we have that midfield battle won. I really do. I think Rice, I think uh, Phillips are going to be tested big time here. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see Phil Foden. Um, I know we all know Grealish is going to come off the bench, hands down. I'm, I think, I think Grealish is an outstanding player. I just think Grealish hasn't faced someone like he will face with Di Lorenzo. Di Lorenzo has been working his tail off since he came in the second half at. Uh, of the first game against Turkey. So I think Di Lorenzo is going to be a problem for Grealish. Everybody says Harry Kane destroyed BBC. Barzali, Bonucci, and Chiellini. Tottenham, Juve. But this is different. This is the final at Wembley at Euro 2020. People forget. Giorgio and Bonucci have been here before. And we were humiliated in 2012. In this final against the Spanish. Chiellini and Bonucci are going to remember that time, and they're not going to let that happen again. Emerson, everybody knows what Emerson brings to the table, so I think Emerson's going to kind of be isolated. I think he's not going to be effective at all this game. We need Jorginho to keep doing what he does. They don't have a Jorginho. England doesn't have a Jorginho in their midfield, which is why I think the battle's won there. England doesn't have a Marco Verratti like we do. We have the Marco Verratti. The one person I'm concerned about that needs to step up and be a game changer in this game is Nicola Barella. He was terrible against the Spanish. He was brilliant against the Belgians. I'm hoping he can bounce back and have a game of his life against the English. Chido Immobile, we don't have a choice. We have to run with him. Can he do something? Can he prove the naysayers wrong? I think so. I don't think so, but I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. Because for me, I hope this is the last tournament we see Chiro Immobile. But at the end, at the same time, we don't have anybody else coming up other than Giacomo Raspadori. You can maybe say Scamaca is coming up too. But we don't really have anybody. So I hope you prove me wrong, Chiro, and you do something. But if you're going to go striker toe-to-toe, Harry Kane is miles ahead of Chiro Immobile. But at the same time, there are two very different strikers yeah very different stylistically how about Chiesa does he start or no I think Mancini's just gonna have to start him I don't think you should start Chiesa I think Chiesa's more effective off the bench like you I agree with you Chiesa was you proved me wrong here and that Chiesa was a lot better starting against the Spanish I think Federico Chiesa needs to come off the bench this game but given the form given what's been going on given how this tournament has played out and how the media is playing this out. Um, I think Kies is going to start, which I think is a mistake. I think you need to go Berardi here. And then Lorenzo Insigne is Lorenzo Insigne. Whether I'm happy with him or you're happy with him or not, the guy's going to get the start. He's the number 10. And uh, that's what I think is going to happen. And then on the other side, England, they're just going to line up as they always have, the two holding mids. They're going to keep everything status quo, but I think they're going to give Italy the ball and that's going to backfire on them. I really do. Like, I think this is going to be... I don't think this is going to be a grind. I think this is going to be... This game might be won in the first half, I think. I think we're going to see more of a style of 
Italy, Belgium. I think Italy's going to come out, control the game for the first 45 minutes, bump a few goals in, and England's going to be chasing the rest of the way. And we're going to have to be made to sweat. So at the end of the day, I think Italy, as the underdog, is going to pull off the upset. And Italy's going to win this game. We all know how Italy are against hosts. Uh, we're usually successful. The one time we're not is when we're screwed over, a.k.a. Korea 2002. But uh, we took Germany out in their backyard. France 98. France 98. Yeah, okay. France 98. <laughs> but that team was... You can't compare this England team to that France team. There, there's no way. Um, but we statistically perform well against these kind of teams. We do have the head-to-head battle. Uh, we've won 11 times in head-to-head, whereas England's won eight. So we do have that historically. Um, and I just... And historically, finals are part of Italy's culture. Listen, Italy is one of the biggest footballing nations in the world. Top three between Brazil, Germany, Italy. They're they're the three best soccer nations historically of all time. So does that pedigree from the past play an influence in this final too? Maybe. It could. It could. I only, yeah, I, I don't know. This is how I feel. If England wins... I'm not going to be upset because we've exceeded expectations and they were they were supposed to win realistically. This is this the way everything played out. This was their tournament to lose. If Italy wins, I'm going to be on cloud fucking 9 because we've exceeded expectations. 3 years ago we were knocked out of World Cup qualification in Sweden. And 3 years later this is where we are. I mean we're on our, we're in our best unbeaten run in history in history so that cannot go uncredited so i think this is where you get reward and people forget too we are in the final four for the nations league finals championship in october look at where we've come from we've come from ground zero and we're all we're working our way up to the top in a perfect world, Italy's going to win the Euro. Italy's going to win the Nations League. And then Italy's going to win the World Cup in Qatar 2022. And it's going to be the the best thing in life. That's what I think is going to happen. The Italian Football Federation, the Italian fan base, Italians in general, we more than deserve this. We go through criticism like nonstop. We go through we're, I think we're the probably the most criticized nation, footballing nation on the planet. I think we are. If you just even if you just listen to the bias of some commentators, it's when they're during during Italy games, like it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So I really think this is the start of something special for Italy, and I hope and pray that we're gonna win this game on Sunday so we could shove it to the world. So that's my prediction. You tell me what you think. Italy, England. Off the bat, I think Mancini has advantage over Gareth Southgate tactically. I agree. He's won more trophies uh, club career-wise with Man City, for instance, Inter Milan. Gareth Southgate failed at Middlesbrough. This is his most successful stint as a manager. I think unity-wise, the teams are pretty even Mm -hmm. in regards to playing for each other, but I think Italy edges them as being a more tight-knit group. You saw with the reactions of Spinazzola how 
you know, every, everyone's cheering for him and hoping he gets well. And Signe wearing his jersey in the penalty shootout. You go to the goalies, Italy has advantage on the goalies. Hands you know, down. No competition. Hands down. No competition. Everybody well, knows that. Even the English know that. Yeah, although Pickford broke the record, 700-something minutes. I mean, Italy was going 1,000-plus minutes without conceding yeah. a goal. And Donnarumma's so. never conceded more than one goal in the Italian jersey. Besides, yeah. Uh, 32 appearances already, and he's only 22 years old. Sorry, so continue. Yeah, Donnarumma edges big time in the defensive department. I mean, in the goalkeeping department. Defense, I'm going to give the the edge to the English. Mm-hmm. I think it's very tight with the center backs. Stones and Maguire do hold their own. Mm-hmm. The wing backs is where we lose uh, out to England. Uh, Kyle Walker, I'd say he's better than Di Lorenzo going, well, maybe not going forward, but... Maybe overall, he's better than Di Lorenzo. Not by much. Di Lorenzo, he's a great player. I think he's one of the going to be one of the next Italy greats for the next you know few tournaments. I think he's that good. Emerson definitely is not of the quality of Luke Shaw. Mm-mm. So that's where England left yeah. back position. They stand out. Midfield, if you look 3v3, England do kind of play a 4-3-3 like Italy. Barella, Giorginio, and Verratti are better than Mount, Phillips, and Rice. There's no doubt about it. Technical ability, tackling, passing, goal scoring. They are heads and shoulders above the three in the midfield for England. And that's not to say that the the middle three in England are bad. It's just Italy's midfield trio is that great. Probably the best in the world. Um, And then we go up top. This is where Italy's biggest weakness is. Hands down. There's no standout superstar besides Federico Chiesa maybe starting to turn into one. And I'd say more so in situational moments. He has his moments, Chiesa. England has players that can be invisible for an entire match and and produce something out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And that's always the danger. Harry Kane, Sterling, those are the two I'm talking about more specifically. Saka is still a bit young. Foden, great player if if he's lucky enough to start. I don't think he will. I'm going to just say Saka's playing. So Saka, I don't think, is going to have too much of an impact. But Harry Kane and Sterling are the two big players. Lorenzo's going to have his hands full dealing with Sterling. And Bonucci and Chiellini are going to have to decide who's picking up Harry Kane and watching Mason Mount doing the deep runs. That's that's what Italy's going to have to shut down England. It's going to be, it is going to be a chess match. But I think Italy, yes, Italy edges them out slightly. But for me, I am giving the edge to England to win because of that home advantage I think is massive. The way Wembley was rocking for the Denmark game with 66, it was 66,000 opposed to 60,000. 66,000 people in the stands, it was insane. That's the craziest Wembley's ever been uh, for for any knockout game ever in history. It's the semifinal, so I can only imagine what it's going to be like for the Italy match. They're going to have the entire country backing them. And this <clears throat> this final is England's to lose. It is England's to lose. I do. I, I see it kind of working out to be like the Belgium game. That's kind of going to be the, the precursor to how this game is going to go. England, I think, is better than Belgium. But it's going to be that open style. No team, I think, is going to sit back and soak up and, and do this. It's going to be open. It's going to be teams are going to get their chances. And it's, and it's going to come down to <clears throat> who on the day is going to capitalize on that big moment. 
And I think that's where England, that's where Kane's going to come in. I think he's going to get that goal because he's that type of player. I think that's ultimately what Italy's missing is the guy that can produce something out of nothing. So for me, I'm, I'm giving the edge to England. <clears throat> big big reason is the, the home field advantage. Like if this game is playing in Rome, I think Italy wins this, no problem. No problem. But the fact that it's at Wembley, Italy's backs are going to be up against the wall. But at the same time, the Italians are clever in that they're going to go into the smash knowing that they're the underdogs and there's no pressure on them. Mm-hmm. So again, that will work in their favor. And we know how the Italians, you know, one thing that stood out to me in the Spain and uh, Italy game when I went to penalty shots, Spain looked stressed though. You went to the batch, everyone's stressed out on the Spain batch. Everyone's breathing deep, trying to control their breaths, their eyes. They look like their their eyes are pulsating. The Italians, they're all laughing, joking. They just look calm. That's that's another big thing. The mentality of this Italian team is they know there's no pressure. From like you said, from where they were three years ago to where they are now, there is zero pressure for this team to win this final. And that could that could play a huge advantage. I mean, it is it's gonna be a flip of a coin. Italy for me is the better squad. If you play this in a neutral venue, they are the better team from back to front. But I think that home field advantage at Wembley should be enough to give England the win. I hate to say it, but I th- that's just my my gut feeling. And that's kind of how I see this game going. Well, there you have it. Giuliano's telling you to take England. I'm telling you to take Italia. I'm not telling you to take England. Go for Italy. <laughs> but my, I'm just saying my, my gut. I know. I my know. gut says England. It's like it was written in the stars for them. Belgium pulled out of the tournament in regards to being a host nation. I believe that moved two more games to Wembley, which allowed England to play more games at Wembley and allowed them to play, I think, every game at Wembley minus the Rome game against Ukraine. Like, Just everything's been working out for them. Everything's been working out. And uh, you cannot... You cannot take that. You cannot take that advantage away. This home playing at home is massive for mm-hmm. England. It is massive. No, it is. It is. Well, there you have it, everybody. There's nothing else you want to add about this. No. Just enjoy the. I game. just pissed you off by saying that England's gonna. No, win. you didn't piss me off. I expected that. You expected that. Yeah. You tend to be the voice of uh, reason. <laughs> You're the one with the head. I'm the one with the heart. So. It's uh, before we go though. I want to hear. We said weaknesses, because there are weaknesses in these teams. Well, what is the Azzurri weakness? Up top, up top. We don't have an out-and-out striker that can score a fucking goal. That's the problem. So how are we going to win this if we can't score? We're you, we're relying on other players to score. We're not relying on our striker, which is which could be a strength. You know, Italy. We're had, lucky we have that. Italy if we has, didn't have that, then we'd be in trouble. Yeah, which is huge. You know, like just like Mason Mount is a goal scoring midfielder, our goal scoring midfielder is Barella, who mm-hmm. likes to run deep. He likes to penetrate the lines and get him behind the defenders. Yeah. We, I think, we have more team goals. No, we our do. Our highest goal scorer, this, you know, our highest goal scorer has two goals, I think, in, the, in the tournament right now. Chiesa, two goals. Chiesa and Chiro, both with two goals. Both with two goals. Locatelli, two with two. Two goals, yeah. For the English, it's Harry. It's been the Kane Sterling show. No one else has, yeah. I don't think, scored a goal really, besides yeah. them. So that's another huge thing. You maybe you shut down Kane Sterling, you win this tournament. Ultimately, who knows? You just gotta watch it and and see what happens. Yeah. 
You do. We'll see. Sunday, 3 o'clock. The stress is getting tough over here. No. Well, guys, enjoy the game on Sunday. All the best to the three Lions and to the Azzurri in what will and hopefully should be a instant classic. Until next time, ciao ragazzi and forza Azzurri. Ciao.